Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome back to The Nero Show, your home of unfiltered cycling chat. In today's episode, Dave Arthur has the Trek Madone in a wind tunnel. What's the best way to sell your bike secondhand? Are your favorite YouTubers tugging on your emotions? And what is in your jersey pockets? All right, let's get into it. So here we go again. I feel like you have fallen down. <laughs> You've gone further down a rabbit hole than I've ever, ever been. And you're angry. I don't know if you're angry, but you're just... You're in a state. So talk me through it. Dave Arthur's doing wind tunnel tests. You've seen these videos about six months after they actually came out. Right. I hand it over to like you. An, yeah, like a parent. I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed in, in everyone. Because <laughs> someone messaged you, uh, won't name, and said, well, I, I agree with, with Dowsett, the take in the pro peloton is everyone wants to be on a, on a specialised team. But didn't add anything to the discussion we'd already had. And I flew off the handle at this. I just called you straight away. I was like, I'm over it. I'm over it. So let me, okay, let me explain why I have this vision. Not that I have an opinion on whether the SL7 is slow or fast. I've never even ridden a disc road bike. So I don't have a thing either way. It's just don't tell me something's one way without any reasoning. So this is why I have this point of view. Okay, Dave Arthur. Now, this is we're kind of late to the party here because he did these reviews uh, about six months ago. But he took in three bikes to a wind tunnel and tested them as part of his bike reviews. It was a the latest Trek Madone with the hole in the seat. It was a the new Canyon Air Road and a giant TCR. No, it was a Canyon Ultimate. It was a Canyon Ultimate. It was. Take that back. Tested them, three of them in the wind tunnel. Now, let's go through... The results. Put up some things. So, Can I just, first, okay. Yeah, no. Yeah. Firstly, we're not testing like with like. But anyway, go on. What do you mean we're not testing like with like? Well, we're testing full on aero bike against yep. a, an endurance climbing bike. Yep. 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 They use the same. He used the same wheels. Yes. Yep. Disc. Yep. yep. Correct. So, what did he find? Okay. Now, this every time you bring up testing, this is a problem. Someone's going to say. It's not transient wind conditions and it's a static. So the results, it's like, yeah, it's better than just saying it feels faster. So can we just, we're just, this is probably the best we've got because I tried to find, I literally spent time trying to find bikes being tested against each other. And this is probably the best I could find. That wasn't just made up. I just love the fact that we did a mic test before this and you spoke at a normal level <laughs> and then you started talking about the SL7 and your volume right. went up about 900. <coughs> Go on. Sorry. So, I serenity now. Serenity Calm now. Down. So he tested it at 30K an hour and 40K an hour, tried to keep his position the same. He used the same wheels in between each. What did he find? Okay. Giant TCR at 30K an hour, 131 watts. Trek, 131 watts. Now lower is better. Canyon Ultimate. 137 watts. So at 30k an hour, the Giant and the, the Trek were the same. Canyon was, was a bit slower. 40k an hour. Now, I've averaged these values across. He tested three your yep. angles. I've averaged them. Mm-hmm. 40k an hour, Giant, 298 watts. Trek, 293 watts. Mm-hmm. Canyon, a bit slower again, 305 watts. Mm-hmm. So if we look at that, at 30k an hour, there's no difference between a Giant TCR and a Trek Madone. And at 40k an hour, it's only... Uh, five watts difference. Canyon, a bit slower there. And that's and that's comparing a Trek Madone to a giant TCR, which isn't an aero bike and doesn't even have the integrated handlebars. That has regular bar and stem with the cables exposed. So <laughs> there's, there's almost nothing in it. Now, the Canyon was slower by, I mean, what's a significant amount? 
but it was definitely slower. Now, being in being a climbing bike, yeah. being a climb. Well, yeah. so is the TCR. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Obviously, if yep. it's kind of like you're testing an ultimate in a wind tunnel. You, if you you'd buy the air road anyway, so mm-hmm. that's a bit yep. yeah thing. But you can kind of see there between if we would just take the giant and the trek. Mm-hmm. There's almost no difference, mm. and that's it. A wind tunnel in an environment set up to expose the absolute minutia of the aerodynamics. Mm-hmm. Out on the road, are you going to notice five watts at forty k an hour? But wasn't it interesting? That his his point the whole time was he was, from what I gathered, quite shocked by the results because he kept saying, this is not what it felt like out on the road. He kept saying that over and over again mm-hmm. about like, no, out on the road, this just felt so much faster. This just felt so much faster. So is your is your gripe here that the the results really, if we tested all these different bikes, we wouldn't see big results anyway? Or is your gripe that no one else is doing this testing? Like what is what is really, <laughs> when we scratch away at this, the results are interesting. Mm. I, I, don't dis, mm. I don't disagree. But what's really getting you here? Because I feel like it's more than just... So my point is between the probably one of the most aero bikes apparently on the market and one of the apparently the least... So that's why, now that's just in aerodynamics, but that's why someone comes along and says, everyone wants to be on an SL7. What, like what? if you've tested, douse it, if you've tested it in the wind tunnel, give us some numbers here because the stuff that, from what I can see, mm. there's not that much difference. Yeah. So that's why, I, I, that's why it just annoys me every time someone says it because yeah. it's like, well, we don't see that in numbers. And here's, this is one of the other things was this was, what someone, someone's going to say this. They'll say, well, the Trek Madone, was designed with the Bontrager wheels. Yes. So you can't test yes, I've it. got that written you down. You can't yep. test it with the MV wheels. Yep. Yep. And it's kind of genius from the buying companies now mm-hmm. because it, de- it it's this sort of it defuncts all of the testing you can do. Because mm-hmm. originally, back in the day, you just test the frame. Then they released the frame sets mm. with the aero handlebars. Mm. So you couldn't even really compare the frames because then you would just blame it on the handlebars. Mm. Then it came out with the complete package mm-hmm. where it was the wheels. And now Trek will, if they were, if they did reply to that, which they wouldn't, they would say, well, we designed it to be aero with the Bontrager wheel. So now you can't even really, even if you do test stuff, it's like this trump card of, well, it wasn't designed to be ridden yeah, with that. That's, and yes, and that's what we keep hearing, isn't it? With the, the specialized stuff. It's the package, Jesse. Yeah. It's the package you get. So, I mean, I don't know how they have managed to to actually achieve this, but they certainly have. There's no two ways about it. It's like I think of it like the, the Power Rangers, you know, that they would come together in the cartoons and they'd latch on to one another and they'd make like the super character. It's like you get the you got to have the wheels with the bars with the seat post and you get this hyper bike that saves 30 watts. But it's interesting, like Cervelo, there it is, Cervelo S5, <laughs> drink. Um don't seem to have had to do that. Like the froth of the Cervelo seems to exist without their wheels. Like in our bubble, you see all kinds of different wheel sets on that bike and mm. all these people are freewheeling everywhere because mm. their bike's so fast. Maybe they're missing a beat there because mm. they're not getting to sell the wheels. It's no coming. One, yeah. It's coming. Don't worry. Definitely. Yeah. So where does this leave us then? Because now they've got the wheels, they've got us the frame sets, I think. Two, two theories. Where, where are they going to go next? Because they're going to have to keep coming up with stuff to, to sell us. I reckon they're going to say this um, bike was designed with this group set. So they'll spec it OEM with, with I reckon, a SRAM one by, and they'll say with this setup, it's eight watts faster than last year. But only they'll say it's only with that specific only with that setup. Package, yes. So if anyone goes and tests it hmm. without that, well, then not, it's just that, yeah, they can play that. Other one I reckon they'll start doing is it's designed for this body position. We already saw Trek yeah, do seen, it with yeah. the handlebars, yeah. sort of. They're like, well, it saves watts because the position changes. And I reckon they'll go, well, we've designed this for a 70 kilo, six foot male riding in their aero position. Yeah, and, it, and in that condition, it saves 10 watts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've already seen that. Like as part of their official press release about it in their claims of it being a certain percent faster that was that percent faster was due to the changed position of the rider they're already going down that route just on the video though like this is amazing 
we th- this was uh, this is probably as as independent and say what you will about Dave. I don't know how we get got in there. Like that's amazing. That's the same wind tunnel that like UAE use, bloody McLaren use. So is he paying? Like I don't actually. I don't care. I don't want to know the answers. <laughs> I'm stoked that there is some relatively independent testing being done in there from a guy who's just and that those bikes were there for him to test. I think the Giants his own is my yeah. reading between the lines on it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I don't know. I'd love to see him do this more, to be honest, or any other YouTubers doing more. I don't think we have a wind tunnel in Australia, but anyway. No, it's crazy. Yep. Yeah. What I'm still yet to understand is, is is a five wind tunnel watts? Mm. Is that a five physiological watts? Mm. And that's what I'm figuring out here because I always say it's five watts, but like really? Because five mm. watts is a lot. Like does that? Tr- how does that translate to on the road? Is it like five wind tunnel watts to two actual watts? So my, because I'm exactly the same, right? So you know me, I'm so standard for doing 300 watts at an hour crit. It's like you just laugh at me yeah. every every single Three time. Three or five normalized. So my yeah. question is, if I get on one of these bikes that's five watts faster at f- over 40 k's an hour, which most all of our crits are, right? Does that mean I only have to do 295 watts <laughs> to do the crit, or does it mean that my 300 watts that I would have done is faster than it would have been so then I'm going to go faster I don't actually know mm-hmm. or is it just it's yeah I know what you I, mean. Don't, I don't know what it means. I don't know because yeah. I I'm not an aerodynamicist I'm just looking at that as a physiological value I'm going hmm that's a lot maybe we need we need someone to to break it down for us because yep. numbers get lost to think a bit other thing that's happening as well in some of these reviews is there's no standard of what when they say a bike weight, what that means. So I saw in, in, in Dave's giant propel review, in the title was 6.9 aero race bike, and, but it was 6.9 without pedals. Mm. And I feel like in a review, when you're claiming the bike weight, it needs to be as you're going to ride it, ah. not without pe- Like I expect that from giant when they put it in a magazine to say 6.9, whatever. But when you're reviewing it, can we just have it as you're going to ride it? Okay. Yeah. So with bottle cages? No. I can't remember. Or I just remember it said. Oh, is that part of your criteria? Oh, yes. So yes. with bottle cages, okay. with whatever head unit mount, because you yep. can save grams there depending on what setup they use, with pedals, yeah. And not and with like regular like tires that we're going to use, not some tubs with a tufo yep. thing. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I thought that was – I remember the chat that I had with the Chapter 2 um, owner, creator, what was his name? Michael Pride. Yep. Michael Pride. And he was saying that – a lot of the American-based companies won't list their frame weights or their build weights because there's there's a litigious part of this in the US that if someone gets their bike and it's not 7.35 kilos, it's 7.4 kilos, they'll potentially sue for incorrect oh. sort of purchasing. So that's why they don't actually list oh. it. Okay. And yeah. you're right, though. There's no actual criteria for what a build weight is. All right, guys, what do you think down below? More wind tunnel testing, independent wind tunnel testing. The SL7, it's just such a good bike. <laughs> what do you put in your pockets for a bike ride? Ooh. Lighter the better. Mm-hmm. I've got a very specific method too. Mm-hmm. Mobile phone, right pocket, right pocket. always. Mm-hmm. Keys, middle pocket, nutrition, left pocket. That's it. Does it vary depending? Well, obviously it varies depending on length of ride. What about with, with throwing a little bit of variable weather into the situation? Well, well what's your your uh, gear carrying pocket of choice? Bar bag. Bar oh. bag. I hate the overstuffed pocket. Oh. Always bar. If I'm considering being a spare gilet, that's bar bag territory. If it's a four-hour ride and I need extra food, bar bag. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Group ride? Potentially, back in the well, day, I don't, when you I'm did kind one. of thinking, what did I do <laughs> back in six years 2000 ago? And, yeah. uh, long group, I'd still run a bar bag. I've run bar bag like on a four hour Kaluzzi ride. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah, fair enough. I just that's so uncomfortable, the jiggling of the pockets. See, the reason I brought this up is I've been copying a bit of shit for my, uh, my Chris Froome, not Chris Froome, out the front uh, by, uh, um, phone. Mount, the oh, Peak yeah. Design. I'm running the Peak Design one on my stem. So I've got the, the big bloody Garmin on the front and then I've got the the iPhone Max on my stem and it's full hubbardry basically. But I love it because, as you said, it's not in my pocket. So I've been able to completely 
refresh my pocket situation because I was very much a uh, phone middle back pocket and then nutrition uh, back left pocket and miscellaneous in the right pocket. Miscellaneous could be headphones. It could be I would have maybe done a GoPro or something like that, but it was a spare pocket as such. Lip balm. Lip balm, uh, door opener, that kind of thing. The door opener though normally goes, garage door opener normally goes in the zip option on the side. But it's given me that given me that freedom. And the other thing that I'm a massive fan of with my with my pockets now is because I've just moved completely to the uh, jellies lollies situation. So the left pocket is just permanently a sandwich pack with lollies in it. Yep. There's nothing else. I don't even wouldn't know what else to eat at this point. So that's permanently sits there, and the amount of space that saves. Because back in the day, you'd you'd try and run Cliff bars and like bananas and all this stuff, and I'm just like, it's a waste of time. The banana gets hot and sort of mushy back there, and then the Cliff bars dry in your mouth. Um, yeah, but you're lucky in the sense that because you've got the bigger frame, you can tend to get away, especially on the longer ride. You can run. What kind of bottles are you running? Eight hundred mils, nine hundred mils. And so you're getting, if you're running, what, like 100 grams? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can run like three hours of fuel just without even any food. That plays a massive, massive role. I can't get away with that just due to the size of the frame normally. Um, But that your phone's also huge because you've got the max one. You can't have that in the pocket. Yeah, It's a genuine performance disadvantage, (laughs) I reckon, that that max. So have you ever at any point... Because I see a lot of this one, and people commented this um, when we were talking about the Fondo. Have you ever done the spares in the pocket to kind of go the kind of, oh, I don't need a saddlebag, I'm so pro. People were commenting that Mm. in the video being like, Mm. oh, why didn't you take a saddlebag? You just put the spares in your pocket. There's no room left in there, on a Fondo especially. I had like two pockets were just gels and then a bit of solid food in the other one. Like, nah, I'm not bringing spares in the pocket. Well, that's saddlebag, definitely saddlebag. What's in the saddlebag currently? Oh, it's changed now because mm. I have a wheel set with clincher ties, so I've had to put a tube back in. Before it was it was epic, so it was just two CO two canisters, the CO two regulator, and the uh, plugger. Yeah, unplug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that's that's super it, super slim. But you're are you an Alan? You're no multi tool. No multi tool. Yeah, that's a mistake. Mm. That's a mistake. It's no. Like- <laughs> Only for you because you always seem to be having saddle drops or bar <laughs> slips. It's just not a nah, – I've never really run into that. It can't even happen to me now because I, I don't have a seat post. Yes, that's true. We'll get on to that. We'll get on to that. Um, my one – no, two little bits of in my saddle bag that probably most people won't run but I, I do enjoy. I don't enjoy it. Oh, it sounds I know weird. What, I know. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I have um, some disposable like latex gloves. <laughs> Like a surgeon. Like a surgeon. It's like, all right. And then, wait for it. Scrub in. Little baby wipe. Little freshener. Little freshener in there. Um, I've witnessed this firsthand. Yep. Side of the road. Yep. <laughs> yep. As Duran Ryder would know, you know, the 12-speed just drops its chain all the time. So I'm having to put it back on. But, um, yeah, so that was, yeah, that came from, especially when we had the the white neuro kits. I just, oh. like, all this stuff. Yeah. No, so yeah, little little latex. And <laughs> it's a little pro tip for you there. If you see me on the side of the road with my latex gloves <laughs> and the, and the uh, baby wipes, you know what's going on, or do you? All right, so that's your pockets. That's your saddle bag. What's your current lighting situation? We're delving a little bit further into into winter here now. How how are you playing that? Pretty simple, just a standard rear flasher, red one, front one. I've, I'm on a new one. Um, it's amazing how cheap lights are these. I've got a 1500 lumen USB-C, 5000 milliamp hour battery. It's basically a power bank and can charge my phone. It was like 100 bucks Australian. Yeah, well. It's just like, oh my, the thing's bright. So I just run that with the GoPro straight under the head unit. So your uh, yeah, GoPro mount underneath. Now yeah. lighting, are you, so 1500 lumens. Yeah. So how are you playing that? Because I, I was a big, the reason I'm talking about this, I was a big lumen man. Certainly up around that that regard, but anytime I would get that on the flash, sort of twilight or evening, you would have people riding or driving the other way, literally like on their horn. They turn the fucking light down. Yeah, you know. So I've actually dropped. I'm down to an eight hundred. At the chop though, you need those lumens. Oh, yeah. Like it's pretty 
there's no in Centennial Park when it gets dark. There's no street lighting, so mm. you're ha- you're purely relying on the bike lights, and I, I don't think that's going to cut the mustard. You reckon? Maybe well, I'm sitting halfway yeah, back. When you so don't, don't pull a turn, don't, it's all right. I don't need any of that. Don't worry <laughs> about that. Now, rear light, you're just a normal flasher. Yeah, just nothing. Have fancy. you never? You've never run a radar? No, okay. I'm a big fan of. I I I would if I live some if I rode out of Centennial Park. If I lived in the country, I would definitely run one. Yeah. I've gone back to the radar. My original issue with the radar was that first light wasn't wasn't light enough. Like, because I'm a day flasher, always have been a day flasher. Yeah, wasn't light enough. This new one's certainly light enough, and now I'm absolutely addicted to it. Anytime I drop away from main traffic, I'll put the alert on. That's kind of flashes. Absolutely love it. The only shit part is, of course, your seat post mount. Like it's just. It's impossible, absolutely impossible. So if there's anyone who's got a solution, that like, I don't know, mounts onto a saddlebag or something, let me know. Mm, but, I've yeah. seen people clip them into the yeah. saddles somehow. Yeah. No, I, I genuinely do like it actually. It's sort of, And even you can set it up. Sorry, this is the last bit. You, you can set it up that the beep of the, the car warning comes through your headphones. So if you're doing an effort or something, it'll beep you in your headphones to say there's a car back. Oh, so you probably you're going to be using that more down south, isn't it, yeah. where you'd use that? Do you? But you're you're pretty much a day front and back flasher, aren't yep. you? Yep. All the time. Yep. I don't think that makes much of a difference. I reckon it's people that swear by it. I just, I mean, if you're looking at you, I can see that white flashing, but it's not. I don't think it's getting attention. I know what you're saying. I, I totally hear. You. It's horses for courses for me. Like I actually think the rear light's not doing much for me. Like as a as a day option, I, I don't see that being creating any additional safety for me. Mm. The re- the front one is purely there, mate. It's purely there for the I'm riding in the, the spike lane or the single lane and it's the door opener. Mm. I just feel that I'm, I dread the door open. And, yeah, I just feel like that little flash in the mirror might sort of get someone. I reckon it's false sense of confidence. Whereas I, 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 I disagree. I think the rear light, I feel so much more confident riding on the road when I have a rear light. Interesting. I feel like when the drivers see you with high of his kit and a rear light, they'll give you more space because they feel like you're making an attempt to be more visible. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I reckon yeah. it makes a difference. I saw an Instagram post, right? I will, <laughs> I will dig it out. Oh. I can't remember exactly where it came from, but it was along the lines of, it was a picture of like a, uh, it has like Rafa um, branding on it and then like a Pinarello frame, Oakley sunglasses. So it was it was um, identifying a certain rider, right? Mm. And what was the helmet? Like a Giro Sith, like that kind of rider. Okay? I think I saw this. And yep. underneath it, it just said something like, um, thanks for not waving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Right? I, I, you saw that? The algorithm knows. Yeah, yeah. it showed okay. it to me too. Okay. Yeah. Right. I couldn't disagree more. So, and this is, this is, I think there's a bit in this. So, I. That, Good luck trying to find this, by the way. I don't know how yeah, we're going to dig this up. <laughs> you've seen this, please find it for me. Um, so, they, that writer, that person that that is clearly identifying, in a sense, that's kind of me. Like, I have Rafa kit on. I have like a pretty nice bike. I'm wearing nice sunglasses. Not exactly those brands, but, you know, that, that's kind of me. That person waves at me, Mm-mm. right? Mm-hmm. I'm less likely to get a wave from someone wearing a like 10-year-old Fondo jersey with their phone being there by computer on a 20-year-old clunker or a like perceived hard man. Like, do you know what I mean? Like the the it. kind of salt of the earth, like good bloke, mm-hmm. good, good chick, whatever, but just I'm not waving. They're not waving at me because they think I'm a tool basically or a snob. Probably. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I see that. You're missing one key part of that meme mm-hmm. was it was the sleeve tat. The oh, sleeve tat. That's okay. where okay. you potentially, they're going, they're not waving. See, but I would, argue, waving. I would argue the sleeve tatter. Is not running Rafa. The sleeve tatter is wearing no. Map or yeah, the Rafa cool. or one of those yeah, ones. Yeah, Rafa's Rafa's. Yeah, the, it's not cool enough anymore. Yeah. That's it's, it's not in that scene. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, and I'll come back to this. I'm not going to. No, whatever. Um, we've been on a couple, or even if I ride past like an RCC person, 
I'll get a wave. They don't know who the hell I am, but they'll just I'll, they'll just wave at me. Mm. Whereas I'm less likely to get one out of the salt of the earth hardcore person. Mm. Yep. Okay, here's the thing. It's like they're waving. Everyone is happy to acknowledge the person who they think is in a similar kind of world as their own. Is that fair? Yeah. Yep. More Which or is like, stupid, I might add. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. Every now and again, I'll pull out some piece of kit that I think's the greatest thing, very functional, big fan, and, and you are disgusted. And the first <laughs> piece of that kit that I can't get rid of are toe covers. What's wrong with toe covers? I would prefer to suffer from vegan cyclist frostbite than to wear those like Ugg booty, half Ugg boots, slipper mount, wetsuit things covering. I know all you people in the UK are like, oh, but I love the... I don't live in the UK, all right? Whatever. I have black shoes. So when it's raining, I wear black shoes and no, like... What if you get cold feet? Go home. (laughs) (laughs) No, well, okay. If you get... uh, Look, realistically... So here's the thing. I, I quite like the overshoe look. I think the overshoe look looks cool. Mm-hmm. I've got no problem with over sock. I think the over sock, beautiful, beautiful. Um, and it's not like with a toe cover, you're going to take it off mid right. It's not like knee warmers or something that you're just going to go halfway through the right. I'll strip off my toe covers what, and put your sloppy mud-soaked toe covers in your pocket. You're not going to do that. So just go full overshoe. In defense of toe covers, over socks are so annoying to put on it's just the, the toe covers are just, boof, they're on and then you're off and you, your toes are nice and warm. So I love them. I, I'm going to be pulling them out. I'm, I don't care what you think. I'm going to be, I'm going to be running them. Big out. fan. Out. Okay. Um, what about – this is going to be controversial. Okay. Fine. <laughs> what about the cap? The cap under the helmet? Absolute no. Hmm. Do not. Cap or bandana? Now, a sp- – Especially in summer. I do not understand why people wear caps under their helmet when it's hot. What are you doing? <laughs> I, 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 it's heating your head up. It looks stupid. I just don't like it. What, can you please defend it for me? Because I just don't understand. If you're racing E3 Harold Becker, it's eight degrees, sideways wind, you get your cap on. Fantastic. Beautiful okay, look. I'll, Beautiful yep. look. Beautiful look. In every other circumstance, it's completely inappropriate. I just don't. I just don't see it. Unfortunately, I have to agree with you on this one. Especially like I, I love the. You're at the tour down under or something. It's like 48 degrees. People are out riding their bikes. You know, riding far more than they probably normally do week in week out. And there they are with like these cycling caps on that normally don't match in any way, shape, or form what they've got underneath. And it just creates this like massive heat-sucking device on their head and it just cakes them in sweat. So, no, I, I don't get it. I never have get it, got it. I think helmets are bloody good, so don't do it. Someone's going to say, I run it because I don't like the sweat dripping into my eyes, in which case just get a better helmet. Better helmet. Please just get a better helmet. Yep. Those HJC ones that we run, barely any drip. Sweat drip. Yep. Love it. Yep. Um, though I did have that problem with the Bell Z1s. They always yeah. drip down. The Z20s, yeah. whatever they were. Yes. Yeah. So you get a soak pad and that yep. drips in. Yep. So where are you with rain jackets then? This is also pretty hard no. Like it has to be belting down cats and dogs to put on a rain jacket. I just think there's better options. You go Maybe gilet and just maybe, it's, again, it's probably a Sydney thing because when it's raining here, it's usually not that cold. So you don't, you don't really mind getting wet. But like riding around in a big flapping garbage bag... <laughs> I don't. Again, there's better options. Yeah. This is coming from two people who would very rarely, like if it is raining outside, we're not riding normally. Yeah. Always. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's definitely the case. So I do agree with you. I, I will take the rain jacket with me for the, for the downpour, but the reality is for those two months of the year where it does get cold enough for that, then, you know, you're probably not going to do it too much. Um, I will say this, though. And this is probably a chat for another day, but like I feel like we've we're now you know how the the chat was always like layering, layering is the way to keep warm, all that kind of stuff. Mm. I reckon we're now at the the one piece of kit to to 
to solve it all mm. kind of situation. Like essentially I'm saying that the Gabba, right? I reckon the Gabba, that style of clothing now is like, oh, it's a bit iffy outside. I'm just going to put on this one piece of kit and it's going to cover me for everything that, that the ride throws at me. I reckon we're getting to that stage. You're seeing it, I think, with the Rafa Infinum jersey. I think MAP have one as well. Like it's like Gore-Tex. It's warm, but it's breathable, but it's not like a sweat box. Yeah. I've gone so far beyond the rain jacket. Yep. You, you can't wear it. It has to be freezing cold to wear. Otherwise, it, you go up a climb and you're just sweating and you're freezing. It's just invest some money in a, something decent. Yeah. Yep. I'm just watching as our uh, subscriber count drops away in the UK, just quietly as this, as this conversation goes on. All right, last last one because we've covered, covered a heap here. Um, where are you with like ex- the external stuff on your bike at the moment, <laughs> like the frame pump? Yeah. And that sort of stuff. Uh, I don't know where I'm at on this because I've put efforts into streamline. I don't like having the accessory, so I use light. It's on a GoPro mount under the stem thing. Uh, Saddlebag and that's it. A rear light, neat solution. It's just, you know, it's frame pump and then you've got some slop light mount that's like screwed in or rubber banded and it's like personally I've, I've put a lot of effort into getting the a nice setup where it's not all tacked on. So... Yeah, I think we've come we've come leaps and bounds. This is this is a proper horses for courses one. When I'm riding in Sydney, I'm the same as you. I want my bike. I you know I'm talking about like trying to find the neatest solution for my lights. You know I want everything like absolutely just dialed in. When I'm riding down south, I'll have frame pumps. I'll go full. Look at me, I'm an adventurer type thing. Still doing okay. the same ride, yep. I might add. But like I just almost embrace the whole. My bike is my my only well, it is actually the only way to get home type thing. And so I think that kind of does change from from position to position and from bike to bike. Like yep. I must admit, like a frame pump on like a I don't know, a nice little sort of titanium bike. Yeah, I can I can see that working. A frame pump on a you know specialized SL seven, nah, doesn't work as yeah. well. Yeah, you know? I've done the same. My gravel bike is a slop. Machine. Yeah. There's no effort done to, to streamline it. But that's because we spend so much time on our bo- time and money on our bikes to get them quick and feeling good. You, you can really easily. It's so easy to ruin the ride of a bike by slapping these bits on. So yeah, I save it for the gravel bike. Yep. All right, guys. If there's anyone in the UK still watching, make sure to throw your hate down below. No, guys. Let us know your thoughts on some of the kits, some of the stuff that we've seen, and of course, we'd love to see your feedback on it. So spending time on cycling YouTube, we've tried to keep tabs on everything. And we quite often find ourselves almost dumbfounded as to why two different channels seemingly doing similar content get drastically different views. And the re- one of the reasons I have is that the channels that are successful are managing to strike with the audience on some sort of emotional level. For example, uh, Safa Bryan, right? Now, he does produce good videos in his own right, but it's, it's instilling, it's that ad- sense of adventure, that sort of... Um, escapism yeah, escapism wonderment all of that sort of thing it gets to me like for example when i watched his gravel his off gravel in la video it's just this the ultimate sense of adventure that he and it's a, it's a it's a real emotion and it's it's a hard one i find it's hard to detect if it's going to strike with you because i can watch two similar videos and that they they look the same but one person manages to get an emotional thing. So I was. Well, I thought we'd maybe chat about who do, who are we watching that really manages to do it well. So and I, I've we've had a lot of people you know suggest people to, to watch down yeah. in in the comments, and I've tried to to follow as many of those up as possible. And I totally hear what you're saying. I have found that a lot of people when they suggest these things to me suggest stuff that is kind of the ultra endurance marathony bike packing type stuff Mm -hmm. and I know for a lot of people that triggers them that gives them that sense of escapism I personally can't think of anything more boring than watching someone riding 10,000 miles and whether they make it or not and where they're camping overnight and all that kind of stuff talked a little bit about that in the past so for me that that stuff tends to miss the mark so someone who does and maybe this might surprise you but Jasper Second name is Verquijul. Yeah, so his his stuff is essentially race vlog type things. I mean, in a sense, it's kind of the stuff I was trying to do partly for for a while. But he has he manages to suck me in 
So I'm not sure whether it's not. It's not actually the content. I don't think it's it's his personality coming across. It's the way he presents it, and. I'm interested in your thoughts on this because I feel like so much of of his success a little bit is based on the people that are watching him. I think a lot of people, we've said this before, watching him on the trainer. And so it's perfect trainer content. Mm. It's bike footage. He's entertaining. He's funny. And you're on the trainer doing a two-hour endurance ride. Sure, I'll watch 30 minutes of, of his Dutch crit. No problems. For me, like, so looking, two examples then. So him versus NorCal. Mm. I, NorCal is not hate. It's just for me, I, I, it's just they're racing in like office park crit and the fields don't look that strong. No offense. Whereas like watching a Dutch crit in farm roads and it's wet and it's cobblestony and there's guys getting blown off the wheel at 60k an hour on the flat. To me, just from like, because with my racing background, that really strikes a strikes home. So I like I agree. He's he manages to, yeah. It's that it's, it's just, for me. It's a nostalgia. It's a real nostalgia hit. And even though you could argue that a NorCal video is better produced and is better on paper, I don't get the nostalgia tick from yeah. a NorCal video. Yeah. So it hits. Yeah. But it's interesting, like what you were saying there about like the kind of emotional response because. Okay, say so take for example like Cam Nichols, and um, I think he's no, he's not Dutch. Sorry, someone correct me. Uh, the Fern Wee guy. So the Fern Wee guy tends to do more kind of cinematic road vloggy type things, and obviously Cam does Cam stuff, which is mostly sort of reviews or yeah, really stripped down reviews. I for me again, this is just purely talking for my for myself. Cam sucks me in more and I'm like, oh, what's he think now? Mm-hmm. More than like something that I would have thought would get me, which is the Fern Wee thing, which is more of a storytelling thing. For some reason, I just don't twig with it, which is, I don't know, just me. Yeah. I, so the Cam Nichols one is interesting because I, 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 I agree. You look at the views he's getting on the videos and objectively you go, well, they're not, they're not amazing videos. But what he does he managed to do on an emotional level. It's I think it's it's confidence. You watch a Cam Nichols video. He's not speaking down to you. He's 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 making you feel heard and and confident. And especially in some of his training, the training ones as well, because he gets views usually in equipment reviews or, or training training ones. It's it's really confidence inspiring. I think that's why people watch it. You finish a Cam Nichols video, and even though it's not you know editing masterpiece, you feel inspired and confident, and that's. You, if you just on oh, face value, it's hard to know who's, you know, whether they're pulling at those, you know, emotional yeah. level. I yeah. I feel like so much of this comes back to how people actually consume. Like I reckon I'm in the zero point zero 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 one percent of people who consume cycling YouTube on a family television, like at home, mm-hmm. like on a big screen, and like sit down, and like I'm going to watch cycling YouTube now, like. Yeah. I, I just don't think. Well, I know due to the analytics, people don't do that. So you're like, who watches on their phone? Yeah. I'm like, what? You, like, that's the perfect time. I'm always watching on my phone. Like, go to bed and I'll put something on on the phone. So yeah, yeah. definitely. Or laptop, or I'll have it on the laptop, but I'm not watching. I'll just have headphones in and it's in the background. So my theory then is what people will do mostly is on the trainer, and they'll set up like almost a playlist of like, right, uh, I'll start off with some vegan, we'll get some Francis on, might go some cycling tattooist, uh, finish up with a, uh, a Jasper. And there's, sweet, there's an hour and a half of, mm. of endurance just just loaded up for me. So I don't know, I just I just feel like there's there's obviously a style of content that works for someone when they're sitting on a trainer as well. Like that's going to be different. Mm. But that's kind of, that. I mean, I would say that would be opposite of pulling on an emotional, that's just... What can I do to keep this person entertained, entertained. for half an hour? Yep. Not like what can yep. I get them to to really love my content and yep. come back? Yeah. Yep. Which not to you no, know, just not discrediting anyone, whatever. I just think like the cycling tattooist like Tommy stuff is like perfect for that. It's perfect trainer content. Mm. It's like little intro, fast paced, like swap off and outro. I'm like, cool. Yep. Happy move on. Yeah. Yep. One of the other reasons why I brought this up is I feel like no hate to you, but with your channel, that's probably what you haven't been good at. Because if you look at your videos, editing, the video quality, blah, 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 the topics, they've been good. But the, people haven't subscribed 
and people generally haven't come back in masses. And maybe for whatever reason, for whatever the universe works, you're not clicking with people's brains emotionally. And it doesn't. Yeah, I don't want to spend too much time navel gazing about about that, but you're you're dead right. I think you also just have to face the reality that the content's not good enough, and people don't like you. That's like <laughs> that's the reality, you know. I mean, and some of that I think is just due to the circumstance. I think we said this the other week that like being in an elite race team just pisses a lot of you. Maybe you don't agree with me, but like the whole elite race team does turn off a lot of people because they think oh, shit, like, that's not relevant to me. Like, they're sponsored and, like, what's what's this race got to do with them and they're, who cares about them? And almost, like, you come across as, uh, yeah, you come across as a wanker, really. But mm. on the flip side, you, you have to be that person because you're trying to, like, get sponsors and that's how a bike racing team works. So, I, I, I mean, I looked back at some of the old videos and, yeah, I didn't like the Chris in those as well. So I think people just... <laughs> That came through. Mm. Oh, well, good. Yeah. Show's doing well. Show's doing well. <laughs> yeah. It's all right. We ran over a bin chicken now so people, people can watch it. Um, but it's like my niche isn't, wasn't obvious. Like what was I? Like was I a, a shit version of vegan cyclist? Was I a shit version of Jasper? Was I like I wasn't really anything. Was I doing daily vlogs? At some, one point I was doing daily vlogs. Like was I a shit version of of Francis. So like, and that's the thing with YouTube, like you've got to seemingly find your niche mm. before like you can kind of narrow down and zero in on it. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Because you kind of know what you're going to get when you go normally to one of these guys' channels. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, probably a factor. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let us know your thoughts down below guys. Just how, how uh, YouTube is sucking you in. Like, is it, is it an emotional attachment? Is it pure, just trainer, get me through this session. Let us know down below. I got YouTube Premium, by the way. Yes. How good it. is it? I did it. How good is it? Yes. It's actually not that. I don't really notice the difference. Wait till I you do, did, wait till you do a full de- deep dive. Uh, like full. You just go, 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 and you, nothing stops you. So one of the things it allows you to do is play videos while your phone's off in yep. the background. Yep. But here's a trick for those of you out there that are cheap tight skates. If you get the link to a YouTube video, open it in Chrome and play it, then close your phone, Chrome will let you play the audio in the background anyway. So there's a get around to that. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. No, I'm I'm a massive fan. Massive mm. fan. Like I just load them up and go for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've started to I've started to listen to or watch the podcasts now on YouTube. So Lantern, I will now play the YouTube channel rather than the podcast. Mm. And I may even com- comment. I've commented a couple of times. Ooh. It wasn't, the ads were really annoying on our videos because mm. like, I usually watch the show when like, we're doing the editing process, not when it goes live. I, sometimes when I watch it and I go like, this is the freaking ads are so annoying. Mm. So if, if you're watching this show, YouTube premium, it seems like, I don't know, they just cram yeah, the wait, ads wait, in wait, there. Wait, wait, for, yeah. wait for us to get like an affiliate link from YouTube and then we'll put that there. Don't get premium yet, all right? Well, we need to get some, some pushback from it or cover from it. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, I think because someone commented, oh, can you move the ads so we don't the ads we don't put the ads in. That's just Hi Google, uh, Mr. Google. Uh, hmm. yeah. yeah, and if and ads annoy you, just pay for premium. Yeah, yeah. Watch this space though. Um, YouTube podcasts by the end of the year. Yep. So it's already in the YouTube Music app. Mm-hmm. So it looks like it'll be pushed out to. Do you know you get YouTube Music with the YouTube Premium? Yeah. What you is do. the YouTube Music? Yeah. Uh, have a look because the podcast oh. is actually in there. And it's um, now a podcast. So is that like Spotify? Correct. Okay. Yeah. So, and interestingly enough, Spotify is still the bigger podcast player. I didn't realize that. It's bigger than Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Um, speaking of podcast metrics, we have no idea how this show does. <laughs> Absolutely none. Podcast <laughs> is a total shit show. Just quickly, the whole ranking system is a total joke. It's based all the legacy ones from like when podcasts first started have chosen to not be ranked. So their rankings basically immovable especially on the Apple one. So I, I hear the Spotify ranking is a more legitimate ranking. A bit better, yeah. Yep. But that would be of Spotify listeners. What Correct. if you were some whatever reason people in the UK don't use Spotify? Yeah. It's that it doesn't <laughs> exist. Okay. Like, And then there's yeah. Amazon. And then Google has its own podcast, which is weird given they're going to try and push people to YouTube for podcasts. So mm. anyway, people often ask, like, what's the best way to support the channel? Uh, like the video on YouTube, then go on to the the podcast player and leave us a rating. 
honestly, that really helps. Or better yet, send it in a group chat somewhere. Yep. Throw it. <laughs> okay, Chris's greatest <laughs> corner scrapped. We are now on unresearched, totally subjective facts week two. What do we got? Well, we need an intro. Someone sort that out for us. So, okay, first up. First yep. up. I have a conspiracy theory for you. Okay. So you know how we're moving to, we're being pushed smaller gear ratios. Okay. So like Altegra now just comes with a mid-compact standard and then you can kind of just, you can't even get like a old school standard on that. Now you can throw like a 34 on the back of the of that cassette easily. So it's just mm. lighter and lighter gears. Mm-hmm. Okay. The reason to do this is to hide the fact that our bikes are heavier. Okay, so I'm down south last week. I'm grinding my way up these climbs on these heavy bikes with my old gearing. Mm-hmm. Okay, my old gearing. I'm like, shit, this is this is all like. Anyway, so I put one of the new cassettes on there, and all of a sudden, my my life, my riding felt so much easier. And I reckon for 99 percent of people, they would have just gone. And I'm still going slow. My point out. I'm still going slow like, up there. So. But it felt like it used to. So heavier bikes are being so they're hiding the heavier bikes by giving us lighter gearing. Fact. Lighter. So when you mean lighter, do you do you? No. I thought you Easier meant weight gearing. wise. Oh, Easier I gearing. thought you were saying like, well, now they're giving us small chain rings and, and ten tooths in the cassette, so it weighs less. Oh, you mean lighters in? Oh, I see what you mean. So now everyone's you know everyone's running a, a 34, 34, and they're like, oh, my cadence is high. I'm really fit. But actually, you're just going really slow. It's like the guy, okay. the guy riding up Bobbin Head on his new Trek Madone in the like 30 to 34 at yep. sort of 7Ks an hour. He thinks he's going flying up there on his 10 kilo bike. That's so funny that I had. So I, I, I yeah, that's a good, very good conspiracy. My, uh, the way I read this in the notes was they're giving lighter gearing as in. Uh. A, a a ten twenty eight cassette with a forty eight thirty two because it literally weighs less, so it makes the bike lighter. That could also be a be. conspiracy. Yeah. Yep. yep, yep, yep. What do you got for me? Definitely. Um, why don't they have the big ring on the inside Correct. and the little ring on the outside of yep. the chain rings? Yeah. Why don't they do it? Well, the, our discussion went like this: that you said, well, then you'd just be cross chaining the whole time. Yeah. So why not put the rear cassette the other way around. Yep. So you have the 11 tooth on the inside closest to the spokes. Why would you do this? Because, hear me out, we spend most of our time in the big ring. So if you had the big, big ring on the inside, you would be spending more time with the chain further inboard to the frame, which would save you 0.3 of a watt. Mm-hmm. So we'd all be riding faster. Yeah, Dave so, Arthur, test this. Yeah, mm. I reckon that's what they need to do. Flip the chain rings and the cassettes around and you'll go faster, more error. Yep, fact. Like it, like it, pop it down. Um, I think we need to get Photoshop out and, and rig one up. Yep. We, it what we do need to do is get Peak Talk on here. Okay. All right. We actually do need to get Peak Talk we're going, on here. We're going We've got mad. so many questions <laughs> for him. got so many facts we need to run past him. Um, so I do want to mention. Um, oh, well, speaking of Peak Talk, he did mm-hmm. have some, he did a video on Pogachar um, about the positions. And we, we, we ran this past, a, or you ran this past a bike fitter. So the premise of what he said was Pogachar firstly changes his bike fit depending on the race, might adjust the saddle height fore aft and the saddle angle, and that he also sets his saddle up so it points down so that when he's riding uphill, the saddle's functionally flat. What Total we... load of bullshit. Okay. Yeah. No, um, uh, Do we know Peak Talk's actual name? No. no okay. That's a bit embarrassing. All right. Uh, okay. So it, look, it's it for the those exact moments that he was referring to, then yes, but to completely change your position for a six six and a half hour bike race for those very very short one off efforts, it's not an efficient thing to do for your body. Basically, to to yes. have just done that, there's nothing stopping him just sliding a bit further on further forward on the the nose of the saddle for those one or two minute efforts and then being able to revert to, to his normal position. Yeah, right. I yeah. would agree. We, you know, they'll spend 30 hours a week training in a specific position. You get adaptations very, very specifically localized to the muscles. You're not going to just change a position 
um, Peak Talk did have video, uh, different photos of Pogacar's bike with different setups. So potentially he is more advanced in terms of being open to play around with his position. But do I think he's adjusting his position race to race? Highly unlikely. It would be physiologically very inefficient. Most riders that turn up for a fit with an excessively angled down saddle all tend to have saddle issues or sores caused by drifting forward and scooting back. They also experience more weight on the hands and if the cleats are not correct and pedals in good position, it is a lot of quad overuse and often knee issues. Most recreational riders don't put down the level of power or have that level of core strength and flexibility. To be fair, Peak Talk did say that when you're a pro, you're doing 400 watts. You have less weight through the saddle. No, that's not the case for like the first three hours of a Grand Tour stage where you're noodling around at 100 and what, 150 watts. Even that conversation we just had is potentially an issue now because every time we comment on something, people now just reply, we'll get them on as a guest. So what, what's the etiquette here? Do we Can we comment on other people or do we, are we journalists now and need to give everyone a, a right of reply? Sort of thing. I feel like this is where this is where YouTube's different. Like that's what YouTube. A lot of YouTube's ecosystem is just this sort of self-creating sort of ecosystem, isn't it? Where people comment. Maybe and in cycling, we're kind of new to this. Like other fitness, like the fitness industry is literally this. <laughs> yeah. Like people having to go at other people. Like and I just feel like cycling. This is we're just sort of dipping our toe into this, and people will start to get used to it. My answer really is just start to get used to it because mm. this is this is good. This is what makes this community or this platform bloody bloody viable. Mm. I think it's ent- it's entertaining. I mean, this should be like an eight part shout back where he re- then responds to this and we do one back. I mean, we're not going to do it on the show, but like that's that's what is is funny. Yeah, or, or entertaining. Yeah, and people, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. But people maybe feel like it's a bit trashy to just talk about someone. But get used to it because we're going to keep doing it. And we yeah. can't bring on every Tom, Dick and Harry that we talk about to give them their two cents. And not everyone – here's the thing. Not everyone wants to do that either. Come come on here because the way like YouTube works is everyone, as we said, operates in their bubble, operates in their niche, right? So you can't then just – people feel very uncomfortable coming on and being taken out of that situation. It's quite confronting for someone to come out of that bubble, out of that niche and just be put into this – and being like, okay, it's a free-for-all. Like Lantern, right? So Lantern uh, talks about the Yumbo-Visma stuff. Like we're just – I wasn't sure whether he'd be comfortable talking about that and the absolute ins and outs of it. Turns out he totally is. Someone else might not really want to have, be that open and be that sort of – I don't know, mm-hmm. like – or get into a bait, debate. Not everyone yeah. wants to have a debate about whatever. Some, you know, sometimes you just want to say something, make a video, and be done with it. Yep. So, yeah, to, to, yeah we're going to keep talking about people. because Basically. <laughs> yep. Selling a bike second hand, Jesse. Yeah. Um, so a little bit of what's going on. Obviously, the, the factor I have sold, so going through the, the motions of selling it at the moment. And I've been lucky enough to be able to do that Privately, so in that sense, not put it on the big, you know, the Facebook marketplaces or any of that kind of stuff, which has been a bit of a godsend, to be honest. Last yeah. thing I wanted to do. So I'm just interested in terms of the etiquette around this. So uh, I, okay, I'll come at it from. I know the person who's buying this, mm-hmm. so I wouldn't say we're best mates, but you know, we're certainly acquaintances. Mm-hmm. Once the once the the negotiation period kind of sorted itself out, we we agreed a number. I'm interested in your thoughts here because I then have taken the bike to my local bike shop and made sure that they are going to go and do a full sort of once over on the bike, not necessarily like stripping down and rebuild, but just a general a level like, three service, a level three, yeah, okay. a level three. <laughs> And um, then I will go and sort of take that over to, to my friends and the, the deal will be done. I'm interested here. Have I gone above and beyond? Mate, that's ridiculous. Okay. If you're selling on a bike market, it's buyer beware in what you get. Because you're selling something secondhand. If you have to pay a shop to do a service, that could be 200 bucks for a, for a level three job. In which case you're just losing your, your profit margin. That's on the person 
totally on the person that's buying the bike to then clean it, service it, update whatever bits they need. It's the whole point of selling something secondhand is you don't have to go to that effort. See, but I feel, right, so I feel that because I didn't have to go onto Marketplace and do the whole random meetup in a car park thing, in that particular circumstances, I literally just would have rolled the bike out to them and gone, there you go, have mm-hmm. fun. Yep. Whereas under this circumstance, I feel like he kind of he helped me a little bit mm-hmm. by not having to do that and therefore I'm willing to go that little yeah, extra. I mean, that's nice of you to do. But the problem, what, what you end up happening is is this, right? Mm. This is one that this gets me when I about. see it on the Facebook groups. Mm. It's... Um, they put the bike up and they go, oh, just feeling out the market. I'm not desperate to sell. Don't lowball me. You know, let me know. And I'm like, mate, it's fucking bike market. <laughs> what price are you expecting to get? Like, don't list your bike and then be like, well, I don't really want to sell it, but let me know. It's like, mate, no one's going to pay retail price for your bike. And that's kind of down. Like, if you've got a secondhand bike, don't do anything on it. Put it up for cheap. Someone gets a good deal and then it's on them to 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 do the additional extras. Not like pay for the service and then you're trying to sell it for this premium price. It kind of goes against the market, the secondhand market. So there's another layer to what happened to me, okay? So this was not the first buyer. I had a buyer, okay? I had a buyer Um, and it was a classic, right? So again, this was someone through a mate. So it was through a mate. So the mate was acting as the the go-between. Again, so off bicycle market, all those kind of things, right? So um, deal done, agreed. Price done. Now, I was down south at the time for that week over Easter. And so we agreed we'd reconnect when I got back and the deal will be done. Now, I got a sniff over the weekend because all of a sudden it was, I don't want the wheels anymore. Mm. Okay. And I'm mm. like, uh, all right, the price was okay. And then sort of, okay, I can probably do something with the wheels. Then by the Monday, Ooh. it was, oh, I only want the frame. Uh. <laughs> And even at that point, I was like, you know, that's still, I can still kind of make this work. It's easy enough to sell a 9200 group set, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I think he's mad for, for not taking the whole thing. Then, of course, that evening doesn't actually tell me until I get back and I have to find out, oh, no, I've actually pulled out completely of the, the sale. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that, I think, yeah. factors a little bit into why I'm maybe – being the nice guy on the second up because I feel like he's almost dug me out because he was he was initially a buyer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There was a little sort of toing and froing there, but old mate who pulled out offered more money. But it de- I reckon it depends on your mentality. I'd feel so awkward rocking up with like a raggedy bike that you know is not really good and then just trying to like take it, take mm. it and go. Like I'd be more, I'd rather spend the money on the service and sell it Almost at a you know at a loss, just to avoid that awkwardness of trying to like pass off your own crap. It takes a special kind of human to. Yeah, I haven't sold a secondhand bike for a long time. Oh, actually, doesn't matter. But what is what's the etiquette now? So bike is transferred over. Yep. And old mate goes out and rides it, and okay, not doesn't like it, but let's say. Give us, give us, give me an idea. Uh, let's say there's a, a creek. Yep. There's a creek. Yep. Is, is that is that on me? Yeah. Is the creek uh, on me? It depends on how. So very. It depends on how you listed it. Now people will disagree. People will say once that exchange is taken place, it's 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 You're all dead to every me. man for himself. Mm. I don't really agree. I feel like you should be open, not to like, oh, actually, change my mind. Can I get my money back? But like, if the fr- the rear derailleur's cooked. Like you're going to have to have some sort of stand behind creek. Oh, creek in the, Ooh, a creek though. Mm. Nah, mm. nah, sorry, buddy. Creek, yeah. <laughs> yeah take nah. it to the shop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But the problem is if you sell something on marketplace, you can just like, if the, if they don't know who you are or it's an anonymous account, you can just block them, delete the post and yeah. Good luck ever finding them. Yeah. Yeah. Like I see, uh, would you buy a secondhand bike? Like I see them pop up on bike market all the time. It'd be like SL7, like a top of the range thing. And it'd be like eight grand. I'm like, if, you're, if you've got eight grand to spend, as if you're buying something secondhand off marketplace. Not every secondhand sales created equal. And by that, I mean, there are a few people here in Sydney who I know if they list something, it's probably barely oh, been written. Yeah, yeah. And it's 
something I would very much consider. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I would. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, it says the guy selling a second hand. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone's very, very reputable and marvelous. Um, no, I, I just feel like there's going to be massive value there, really, at the moment. All right, that is us done, guys. As we mentioned earlier on, the best way to support this channel is to like these videos, share them on with your mates, and leave us a review on some of the podcast players. Jesse Coyle, thank you for your time. See you next week. See you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.